As Brother Briscoe said, Brother Sean is not feeling well this morning, so we'll continue to pray for him. But we have Pastor David Graham here with us today. Good to have him. So without further ado, the stage is yours, my friend. <laughs> Time for me? Time for you. All right. You guys doing okay this morning? No, oh, that's great. Normally I ask that and get about three people to respond. So y'all already ahead of the game. Um, has, has Sean been in the midst of, of Christmas messages? Okay, well, the closest I can come to that is to tell you that there was a baby born in Bethlehem, and about 30 years later is where we're going to pick up, okay? Um, that was a little bit of humor there. Um, let me uh, I was tell Mike earlier, uh, I'm, wearing, I'm wearing Sean's head thing, and Sean, if you're watching, I apologize. It's probably stretched out now. I've got a really fat head. Um, let me just tell you real quickly, I've, I've been here quite a bit. Normally I'm sitting uh, near the back, uh, just watching you all and listening to Sean. And I got to tell you, it's a little bit intimidating uh, standing in the pulpit where Sean preaches because you all are blessed with an incredible pastor. You're blessed with an incredible teacher of God's word who is faithful to God's word. And I am so happy for you, for him to be here and so blessed in our area to have him uh, be with us. And now you've got one of my favorite music guys around in Mike, and so uh, you, you guys are on quite a roll here. Um, I've been here about five years now. Uh, my wife is, is Rhonda. We've been married for 32 years almost, uh, and uh, she runs the Crisis Pregnancy Center in Harrison, uh, the Informed Choices uh, Women's Center, and we have a daughter who got married two years ago. Uh, she is finishing up her doctorate uh, to become an occupational therapist. Uh, she's, she's down in Conway finishing that up. Uh, her last semester will start in January. My son just started uh, as a freshman at the University of Arkansas. He wants to be a pediatric uh, optometrist. Is that the, the one who does the, or ophthalmologist? One, whichever one does surgery on, on little kids' eyes, that's what he wants to do. And uh, I've learned something new with him being at the University of Arkansas. How many of you all uh, are Razorback fans? I, I would assume most of you. Uh, when you watch the football games, you ever see the guys with, their, with, with Arkansas or whatever else, or Wu Pig Suey painted across their chest? Um, I always assumed that that was some guys who didn't have a whole lot you know, going on other than you know, just, just being a little bit out of their minds. Uh, that's our BCM crew. Um, that's who that is. They, they go the night before and spend the night outside so that they can be the first in line so they're on the front row. The guys, the guys camp out. The girls from the BCM bring them food and stuff uh, so that they're taken care of. But that's, when you see those guys, that's, that's our BCM. So uh, my son is now famous as the inn in Arkansas. Uh, so we've seen him on TV a couple of times. Um, if you will take your Bibles and go to the book of Mark, uh, there, we're going to just kind of walk through some of this. There's not going to be an aha moment per se. These are not stories that you are unfamiliar with. Uh, it, it's, it's stuff that we've already seen before. Um, in fact, I'll, I'll give away the surprise ending here in just a little bit. Um, but I just want to walk through this a little bit slower than, than we normally do because there's some things that I think really uh, jump out to us that sometimes when we read the passage of scripture, we just kind of fly by. 
some things. Let me tell you where we are. We are really, Christ has just begun his ministry. Um, he, he's been in the area of Galilee and, and he's kind of stayed there for the most part. He's got his disciples together, uh, his, the, the 12 guys he's got. Uh, he's done some things there in Galilee in front of the Jews and, and there, you know, some excitement things going on there. But he's never been to the place that we're going to see him go this morning. He is leaving the area of the Jewish people. He is coming over to where the Gentiles are today. Okay? So it's very important for you to understand that he has never been here before. In fact, would you say that with me? He has never been here before. Ready? He has never been here before. One more time. He has never been here. Okay. Now, I won't make you say that again, but I just think it's good for us to have that understanding in our mind as we see what's going on. The, the trip over, now he's coming, again, like I say, I'll, I'll just spoil the, the whole deal. He's coming to the place where the guy filled with demons comes out of the tombs, right? We all know that story. He calls himself Legion. That's not his name. We'll discuss that in a little bit. But on the way over is an incredible journey for the guys in the boat. As they come over, they end up in a storm. And this storm actually says that, that the water, the water was crashing down into the boat. This is the, this is the one where Jesus is asleep in the boat and the disciples go to him and they say, don't you even care what's going on? Don't you even see that we're about to die? Now think about who those men are. A lot of those men had grown up on the water, right? A lot of them were fishermen. They, they had their businesses with their dads, all that kind of stuff. They had been around it. And for them to be in that kind of panic, in that kind of fear, this is a different level of storm than what they've been in before. And they come to Jesus in the midst of that storm and they say, don't you even care? And I just want to stop there for a second and point out the fact that sometimes in our lives, I think we can have that same response. Sometimes in our lives, we can look around and say, God, don't, don't you see what's going on with my job? Don't you see what's going on with our finances? Don't you see what's going on with the relationship with our children, the relationship with uh, th these neighbors, and we just can't get along? God, you know, the, you know the phone call that we're expecting from the doctor. God, don't, don't you even care? And we know that he does. In fact, when they come to him and they, they say that, they say, don't you even care? Don't you even see we're about to die? Jesus gets up and he speaks to the wind and he speaks to the waves. And again, I'll just slow down and say that again. Jesus speaks to the wind and he speaks to the water and they obey him. How crazy is that? But do you know why the wind obeyed him and the water obeyed him? It's because he created them. He's the one who created that. I point that out to say to you, when we're wrestling in the midst of a storm over health, he knit you together in your mother's womb. When we're wrestling in the midst of a storm over marriage, whose idea was that? That was God's idea. When we talk about relationships, who created that? God did. 
And if God can speak to the wind and the waves, God can speak into those situations in our lives. Don't ever, ever underestimate who is in the boat with us. It is an incredible night for these guys in the midst of this storm where they thought they were going to die. They show up. They hit land. I imagine they do like you see some of the astronauts get off the, the boat and start kissing the ground because they've just come through some horrible experience. And then this guy comes running out, literally running out at them. Chapter 5 of Mark says this. I'm reaching, reading out of the HCSB uh, this morning. So if you have a few words that are different, that's why. It says, then they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. And as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs. And no one was able to restrain him anymore, even with chains. Because he often had been bound with shackles and chains, but had snapped off the chains and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. And always day, or always night and day, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. Now in a minute we're going to see the fact that Jesus asks his name and he's going to tell him that his name is Legion and we know that's not accurate. Legion is actually a reference to a number of people. It's a military term. It can mean anywhere from 1,000 to 6,000. We'll get a little bit further into that in just a second, but let me back up and say what I just said. He asked him his name, and his name is not Legion. This guy had a name. This guy has not always been here. He was Timmy or Bobby, or Joey. He was somebody's little child at one point. And he finds himself in a place in life that I don't think he wanted to be. He finds himself at a place where, where look, at, look at where he is. He thinks living with decaying bodies is okay. He goes to sleep at night in the tombs where people have laid dead corpse. <clears throat> If that's his life. Luke tells us that he's actually running around completely unclothed as well. And he finds, he finds broken pieces of, of, of clay jars or, or sharp rocks and cuts himself and screams out. That's where he is and I don't think that's where he wanted his life to be or end up. I doubt any of us as a little five-year-old kid dream of that being where we go. I, w- I want you to think about this man for a moment. Like I said, at one point his name was Billy, Johnny, Timmy, whatever it was. He was somebody's five-year-old child. He was a little boy who probably had a puppy dog. Played, played with the dog. He was a little boy who, who, who had a ball and had friends that would come over and play with him. One point in his life, something begins to go off the rails. And mom and dad think we've got a discipline problem on our hands. And so we need, to, we need to send him to his room. We, we need to discipline him. We need to get him to change the, his behavior. Things get further and further. So they call, the, they call the pastor. The pastor comes over. You know, what, what do we do here? We, we, we talk, to, talk to neighbors. We talk to family, friends. We go and see a doctor. 
And then listen to the description once again. He lived in the tombs and no one was able to restrain him anymore. At some point they sought help, decided that they would just try to tie him up. Ropes wouldn't hold. They got chains, the chains wouldn't hold. They come to the conclusion it's best for him just to live out apart, away from everybody. Weren't able to restrain him anymore, even with chains. Because he often had been bound with shackles and chains. But he had snapped off the chains and he had smashed the shackles. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. And always, night and day, he was crying out among the tombs and in the mountains and cutting himself with stones. Can I tell you just kind of the end of the story for him a little bit? Jesus didn't come to do a miracle per se. Let me rephrase that. Jesus didn't come because of the demons. He came because of this man. The miracle is not the casting out of demons. The miracle is saving this man. My point being this. There are folks maybe watching, maybe in this room. But we know there are folks in this world who feel like they are so far gone that Christ does not care. And if you're here in this room or you're watching or, or, or listening or whatever else, you need to realize and understand that you can never go so far that Jesus doesn't care. He will cross the sea to come to you and rescue you. I don't care how dark it is. I don't care how bad you think you've gotten. Christ will come to save you. He came because of Timmy. That's why he came. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt down before him. And he cried with a loud voice, What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Remember how he started the message? He's never been here before. But the demons know exactly who he is. What do you have to do with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For you told him to come out of the man, uh, you unclean spirit. What is your name, he asked him. My name is Legion. Again, we know his name is not Legion. Legion is what he answered him because we are many. And he kept begging him not to send them out of the region. In fact, one of the other gospels says that, that the demons say to him, surely the time has not come yet, has it? Another gospel says that it's, it's not time to throw us into the abyss. They know, the demons know who Jesus Christ is. They know there's coming a day where they'll be cast into the abyss. And they say, we're having too good of a time right now. Surely you, your, your clock is set too early and you're here, you know, before time or, or whatever. They say, surely not now. That's what's going on with him. How many de demons there were, I have no idea. I have a guess. I have a thought that it's about 2,000 based on the number of pigs that we're about to see. But we do know that legion can be anywhere from one to 6,000. He kept begging him not to send him out of the region. Now a large, large herd of pigs was there feeding in the hillside. And the demons begged him, send us to the pigs 
so that we may enter them. And he gave them permission. And then the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and they drowned there. Now let me just point out, this is the first time we have in recorded history a pig suicide. Thank you. Thank you. We'll lighten the mood just a little bit. So I think there are about 2,000 demons in this man. Because each one of those pigs in and of itself decided to go and run down and, and, and drown and kill itself. I want you to look at the response of the people that were standing there. The men, verse 14 now, the men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town, in the countryside. And the people went to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and they saw the man who had been demon-possessed by the legion sitting there dressed and in his right mind. That, that, that's an incredible change for this guy. He's now clothed and he's not screaming at people and he's not cutting himself. He is, he is just sitting there normal, calm. He, he's, he's back to who he's supposed to be. And the people's response is not to celebrate this. The people's response is to ask Jesus to leave. They don't want him there. They came to Jesus and they saw the man who had been demon-possessed by, by the legion sitting there dressing in his right mind and they were afraid. And the eyewitnesses described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs and then they began to beg him, Jesus, to leave their region. Can I just point out something to you all? I know you're aware of this. I know we see it all the time, but just so we're all on the same page, we all realize this. We live in a world that is more comfortable with sin, more comfortable with, with um, corruption, more comfortable with, with, with all sorts of, of disgusting things than they are comfortable with holiness and righteousness. You have, have teenagers in the room? You don't have to raise your hand or anything. I see, I see some of you spread out. Let me tell you, teenagers, something real quick. When you go to school, you're going to be surrounded by people who are more comfortable with sin and perversion and corruption than they are with holiness and righteousness. And they will push back on you if you look like Christ. Take that as a compliment when that happens. These folks came out and they see this man fully restored. And they asked Jesus to leave. As Jesus was getting in the boat, verse 18 says, the man who had been demon-possessed kept begging him to be with him. But Jesus wouldn't let him. I read that and I think about Sunday mornings and I think about this place. Honestly. I would imagine for a lot of us, and Sunday mornings are, are a good time. It, it's, it's that break from, from the rest of, of the week. It's a break from the, the rest of life where, where stuff is a struggle and hardship and, 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 and dealing with all this. We, we come here and we get to hear great music that, that Mike leads. We get to hear incredible preaching from Sean. Every now and then we have to put up with some goofy guy that shows up from the association. 
but you, man, man we come together and, and we're with people who have the same thought process as us. Same, same goal as, as far as values and character and what we really want from life. I mean, it would be great just to stay here, wouldn't it? It would be great if somehow bills were paid and food was provided and, all, and we could just do this 24-7. It's, it's like going to church camp uh, as a teenager. I mean, I, I didn't want to come back home. Love to be in there. This guy wants to be with Jesus. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with saying, I, I just wish that I could just set up camp and stay with you constantly all the time. In fact, he probably had a little bit of a sales pitch of, of Jesus. Think of what we could do. I mean, we could go on the road. You could march me up on stage, tell him how many demons you cast out of me. We could draw a big crowd. I, I could really serve, you know, as, as helping the, the ministry. I mean, all that stuff is legitimate things to say. But he wants to go with Jesus because he just wants to sit at Jesus' feet constantly, which again, not a bad thing. I think all of us have that in our hearts. We desire to do that. But Jesus said no. Because I've got something else that I want you to do. Coming to this place is great and wonderful. But this is not, this is not the, the, the pinnacle of what you were in, designed to do. It's not to come here and honor him and praise him and worship him and learn of him. All those things are, are awesome and we should be doing those. But that's not the tip of the iceberg. We do that so that we can go out there and live differently in front of them. We do that so that they can see him and possibly come to know him. That's the design and the reason for it. So enjoy the time where we sit at his feet. Enjoy the times where we sing praises to him. Enjoy the times where we learn about him in a way that we never saw before. But don't let that be the highlight of what he's done. Let, let, me, let me say this, and, and, and I'll just apologize if lightning strikes and tears up the roof before I get there, okay? I learned this a long, long time ago. And, and you might think that this, is, that this is way out there. But stay with me and you'll understand where I'm, where I'm going. If the intent of God for my life was simply to come to a place of knowing him as my Lord and Savior. If that was the final destination, if that was the final goal, and here's where lightning may strike, then I could make the conclusion that he is a cruel God. Because since that day in my life, we've been through multiple miscarriages, we lost my, my mother-in-law. She was 53 years old. We lost her to a brain tumor. We've been through times of fear of, of thinking that my wife may have cancer. We've been through all sorts of difficulties. We're now in a situation of watching both sets of parents, or, I mean, her dad and, and my parents in, in stages of dementia and all that kind of stuff. If, if the goal was simply to get me saved and that was it, then it would have been a whole lot nicer just to go ahead and take me home at that point. But that's not the end goal for us. 
God leaves us here for a reason. Because once we are saved, once we come to know him, his desire is for us to go and bring others to him. That's why he leaves us here. Let me say it again. He has left you here because he has a job for you to do. And it is not simply to come and sing praises to him because we can do that there. It's not simply to come and learn more about him because we can do that there. It's not simply to grow in fellowship with one another because we can do that there. He has left us here because he has something for us to do. This guy wants to get in the boat and just sit at his feet and stay with him. And I don't blame him, but Jesus says, no, I've got something else for you to do. Again, back to verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed kept begging him to be with him, but he wouldn't let him. Instead, he told him, go back to your home, uh, go, go back home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And so he went out and he began to proclaim in the Decapolis, which is an area of 10, 10 cities, how much Jesus had done for him. And they were all amazed. He goes out to these 10 cities and shares about Christ. Now, we're in chapter 5. Here's what my master's in theology taught me. If you add 3 to 5, you end up in 8. Okay? Jesus leaves. He goes back to the other side where the Jewish folks are. And he doesn't return back to, to the Gentile part for three more chapters. He comes back in chapter 8. Does a few things and then all of a sudden finds himself feeding 4,000 people. Now, some of you are asking a question and I'll answer that and, and then we'll get right back to the message. You think I thought it was 5,000. Jesus did feed 5,000 Jewish people and he fed 4,000 Gentiles. There's a whole message we could preach there. The fact that he did the same miracle for, for both groups. In fact, Mark even cleans that up for us here in chapter 8, uh, verse 19. It says, Jesus talking to the disciples says, When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of pieces of bread did you collect? Twelve, they told him. And when I broke the seven loaves for the 4,000, how many large baskets uh, full of bread did you collect? Seven, they said. So he did, he, he fed large amounts of people two times. The point is that when he shows back up, there are at least 4,000 people there in a place where he had never been except for to have the encounter with the man who had been filled with the demons. I don't know where all those folks came from, but I've got a real good idea of how word got spread. This guy went out into the Decapolis and shared what Christ had done with him. He said, I want to go. And Jesus said, no, I've got something more for you to do. You stay here and you tell people what I've done. Now, for us, you may have a childhood that, that looks more like mine than like Timmy's here. 
my childhood, I was, I was a good kid. I loved Jesus. Uh, never, never got into trouble. Uh, you've heard the joke, you know, having a drug problem, meaning I was drugged to church every Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That was about as close as I came. So I, I look at my testimony, if you will, and say, I don't have a whole lot to go and share. And you might think the same thing. But I want you to go back to chapter 5. I want you to look at verse 19. Look at what Jesus told him to do. He wouldn't let him go. Instead, he told him, go back to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. That's my testimony, isn't it yours? Man, you know the mercy that he's had on me is the fact that sin separated me from a loving God. And according to God's law, I should, to use an old preacher phrase, I should split hell wide open. He had mercy on me. And he sent Christ to die for me. You know how much he's done for me? And Christ hung on a cross. So that I could spend eternity in heaven with a God who loves me. You don't have to have a story of being filled with demons or being, uh, you know, on drugs or, or, you know, almost dying in a car. You don't have to have some some huge story. Man, just tell people what he's done for you and the mercy that he's shown you. That's why he's left us here. Now, I've got to tell you, we've covered a lot of ground and we've skipped to a lot of different places this morning. And I don't know if any of that has landed with you. But let me just kind of remind you of where we've been. You may be here this morning and maybe you're in the midst of that storm on that boat. But maybe, maybe you're dreading tomorrow. You're dreading going back to work. You're dreading getting, getting bills in the mail. You're dreading getting that phone call from the doctor. Don't forget who you're in the boat with. If God can speak to water and wind, he can speak into those situations. You might think, God, do you not even notice? No, he notices. He cares. He cares beyond what we could even imagine. That's how much he cares. Maybe, maybe you're here or watching. And maybe you see yourself as this man who has gotten to a place in life that no one would want to go. Maybe you, you look and say, I am so far removed from anything of God that there's no way that I'm salvageable. God will cross oceans to come for you. Maybe, maybe you're struggling with the fact that people push back on you. That they, they, they don't, you just don't fit in because of the values that you think you're supposed to stand for because I'm told through scripture I'm supposed to do this. No, if that's happening with you, take pride in that because that happened to Christ as well. I think all of us need to realize and recognize coming to that point of salvation is not the finish line. 
He has so much more for us to do. And all your testimony needs to be is, man, I was headed for hell, but I'm not anymore because of Christ. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that we have, I, I, I'd like to call this a time of commitment. We're not going to have anyone come down forward this morning ask you just to stay there, but I want you to have your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I, I want you to think about the next seven days. Not the things that you've got to get done. But I just want you to think about where you are in your walk with Him. And would you commit to Him these next seven days will be different. And we change our life one day at a time. Would you, this morning, if you are struggling with fear or whatever it is over uh, over situation with a family member, a situation with finance, a situation with health, would you commit to him that God over these next seven days, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna rely on you. These next seven days, I'm gonna hold on to you. These next seven days, I'm gonna recognize that you are with me. If you're here this morning and maybe it's a situation of of, of feeling like, man, I, I'm not anything special. God can't use me. I don't have any kind of major story that would do anything. No, would you commit the fact that God, in these next seven days, if you will give me the opportunity, if you'll give me the opportunity, I'll share with somebody what you've done in my life. I'll let you take it from there. God, for these next seven days, I give my life to you. Maybe, maybe you found yourself this morning realizing I'm the person who just wants to come and sit at church and take things in, and I believe that that's the pinnacle. Would you commit that these next seven days, there's more that God wants in your life? This mic plays. Would you just spend some time doing business with God? Let Him do business with you. And I'll close this in a word of prayer in just a few moments. Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we thank you so, so much for being a God who is real. A God who is alive. A God who desires a difference in our life today. And a difference in our life tomorrow. God, you're not just the one we check in with from time to time. You're a God who wants to do life with us. God, I pray that you would challenge our hearts, convict our hearts, change our hearts. God, make us the people that you desire for us to be and that you designed us to be. Use us to your glory and your kingdom. Father, we love you. Lord, we trust you. And we adore you.
simply because you are. Father, thank you so much for this church. Lord, I thank you for their pastor. I thank you for their worship pastor. I thank you for men who point to you and lead us to your throne room on a regular basis. Father, we love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Let me just say that if there is a decision that you need to talk to someone about, Mike is here. Uh, Sean certainly is available through email or phone calls throughout the week. Please let somebody know if God has, has uh, tugged at your heart in a way this morning that you need to, to share that with someone and talk with them. Thank you all for letting me be here this morning. Thank right. you, David.